Hello and welcome to the Small Business Sessions powered by Zero. My name is Emma Jones, founder of Enterprise Nation. Every week I have entrepreneurs and experts who come into our office here in East London to share their tips and their wisdom on how to start and grow a business. And I am very happy that today we have Simon Coley, who is the founder of a wonderful business which is getting out all over the UK and elsewhere called Karma Cola. Simon, welcome. Oh, thank you. So tell us a little bit. It's a very interesting business. It is a business with a purpose. Tell us how it all started. Uh, it started on a beach in New Zealand. As every great as business should. Give from my <laughs> accent. Um, uh, a few friends, uh, two brothers, um, and I had got to points in our career where we were looking for the next thing to do. Chris had run a, an organics business called Phoenix that had pioneered organic soft drinks in New Zealand. Matt had finished working for the New Zealand Treasury um, and was looking for a new challenge. And I had been uh, working for a company that sold vodka from New Zealand around the world uh, and various other kind of design-led businesses, which was the thing I used to do. Um, and we had been wondering what we'd do next. And in the research to do that, I'd been Chris and I had tried to mix vodka and his soft drinks in the past and thought that that probably wasn't a smart move given the, the outcome of drinking too many RTDs and what that might do to the brands that we both represented. So we thought we were looking at making a cola because we knew the, the cola that Chris had made before was really great. I'd always found it a fantastic mixer and I sort of thought, I wonder if we could do an even better job of that. And in researching the idea of cola and finding out where the original ingredients come from, we discovered that, you know, although there's a lot of these drunk every day, you know, the, the world consumes close to 2 billion serves of cola-branded drinks a day, the stuff actually exists. There is a thing called a cola nut that grows in the, in the rainforest in West Africa, and that was new to me. And I thought, well, if I didn't know that, there are probably a lot of other people that don't. I wonder if we could kind of reclaim that and make that connection and whether the people in the forest that we discovered in Sierra Leone, who we could get this cola from, could actually benefit from that transaction. And we had been working with the fair trade movement and organics movements in New Zealand, and through connections in those organisations, we were able to find a fantastic man called Albert Tucker, who's from Sierra Leone, and who put us in touch with a group of communities in the TY area, and we got them to send us some cola. And when it arrived, we experimented with it and discovered we could make what we believed to be an even better tasting cola with actual ingredients and started bottling it. And we sent the first box of those drinks back to Sierra Leone, uh, much to the amusement of the people that had sent us the cola. And when you say much to their, their amusement, as in they just literally didn't expect this to come back to them? They There's another fantastic chap called um, Dr. Hans Muller, Peter Muller, who... Um, was able to make the relationship between the villagers and us happen. Um, and he said, look, he hearing from three people in New Zealand asking for coal is not a very usual request, but he kind of indulged us and sent the stuff over. He put it in a little courier pack and it made its way to New Zealand without customs opening it. So already there was some serendipity in us being able to do it uh, and the chance that you know it had made it all the way through. Um, 
he, when I first met him, he said, you know, when those bottles arrived, we kind of, I hadn't heard from you for six months. I didn't know what was happening. I'd kind of given up on you. And this is, you know, these, these drinks turned up and we took them to the village and that was, you know, pretty exciting. And they sent us some photos. But six months after that, we sent a check for what we reckon would be, well, what was the first six months of sales and what would be the, 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 the next six months. And it came to about ten thousand US dollars, and uh, an amount from each um, bottle we sell, about five cents at the time, six cents now, would go into a fund that we were going to use to help the enable the community to become more self sufficient. So when they received that, uh, hands just went wow, you know something's happening. Uh, six months later, Matthew and I went over there and met the villagers for the first time, and found them all on this bridge dressed up to greet us on the way in. It takes quite a long time to get there, especially from New Zealand, but we've got to travel from Lungi Airport all the way into the interior of the country and then walk into the rainforest to get to the, to the villages. And they had chosen because we'd said, look, we have no idea how you should spend this money. You're best working that out for yourselves, but we want to make sure it's for the good of the entire community. Um, you tell us what you think we should do and we'll make the funds available for that. And they had chosen to build a bridge because this area gets flooded regularly in the rainy season. They are still rebuilding the village from after civil war. And, you know, it was a big part of their recovery is to have some of this infrastructure. So they did that. And uh, the first time we saw them all they was on, on that bridge. bridge. Yeah. Just incredible. It was was a pretty special moment. And you're still doing this because you are still sending money back to the same community. You're still kind of building these incredible bridges. How much of, and I know you didn't start the company as such to be this kind of brand with a purpose, but it is because, you know, in everything that you're doing, you are changing lives, changing communities with every sale of every bottle that you make. But how much do you feel that has helped with the sales? Because I know you have said you've come at a good time because there's the rise of kind of the consumer with a conscience. Is that something that you feel has played an important part of the success of the business? I think so. I think, I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years all up, seven selling the drinks. Um, and in that time, we've seen more people more engaged in understanding the provenance of, for a lot of reasons, for food security, for, for, for safety, for just generally wanting to care about the impact they have as consumers. So that kind of idea of, or movement in conscious, conscious consumption has become much more prevalent and people are much more motivated to take to make those decisions. So I think we've learned a lot from that shift in behavior where people trust what they're told in packaging and advertising and other ways of mediating between consumers and producers uh, less less trusting of um and that you know you can now go a lot deeper than the surface of a product it's pretty easy to research something with all the technology we have available and find out what's actually going on behind a label and i think because we built our company on the based on those principles, those values, we've had to stand for them and be as transparent as we possibly can because that's what we've put on the label. We've called it karma. <laughs> we've made this relationship between producer and consumer central to what we do, so we have to follow through. Of course. And of course, what definitely helps with consumers is how easy is it to buy your product and you are in many places you're in Whole Foods you're in Honest Burger you're in Jamie's you're in our building here 
how did that start? Who was the first deal done with and how difficult? Because it's an amazing business, but you still have to we kind of build the it's, brand. It's definitely been built from the ground up. And what we learned is that, especially with a story like this, people don't just get it in the 0.3 seconds you have to process what's on a package. You know, you, It takes a while to get it. So what we discovered, the first thing we ever did here was turn up at a f- trade show called the London Coffee Festival, which is just around the corner from here. And we had drinks and examples of the ingredients. You can recognize all the ingredients. You could see the cola nut and the uh, lime and lemon and orange zest and coriander and all the other fantastic spices that are in it because it's quite a complex flavor. But people, having had three or four cups of coffee, were pretty chatty by the time (laughs) they came to our stand. And they'd be looking for something that wasn't coffee to drink. So they'd reach out, see the label and go, ah. That looks interesting because we've got quite a, an unusual illustration on the bottle, which is not a conventional way to sell a soft drink. It's kind of quite complex and it's got some characters on it that are about the place that it's from. And they'd see that and like the look of it. And then they'd, we'd offer them a drink and they'd drink it. And the, the best answer we'd ever have is, tastes like cola. <laughs> because you know there are a lot of colas have, that have been You've launched tried. and very few of them have have made an impression yep. on people's taste buds because there's a kind of preconceived idea about what cola should taste like. And we knew that if we could replicate those flavours with ingredients that people recognise, actual, you know, fruit and spice and cola nut. That they sugar, would love it. That, you know, we'd have something. So that was good. The first, they liked the look of it, they liked the taste of it. And then we had some video of Albert and I and Matthew in Sierra Leone with the people growing the cola. And they'd look at that and go, wow, what's going on? And make the connection between the, the product and where you know, its name ingredient came from. And that was our insight, that if we could get that far, then we had a chance. People would, would maybe talk about it on our behalf. Now, the great thing about that coffee festival is that there are a lot of people setting up kind of third wave coffee roasting and uh, 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 cafes. And... You know, they all have a similar interest in the provenance of their ingredients. So the story resonated with them, and lots of them are setting up their own independent things. So we didn't have a huge sales cycle. We didn't have to talk to three or four levels of management before we got to someone who could make a decision. Most of them were just walking past that stand saying, yeah. oh, I love it. I love it. Can we Let's do it? stock it. Yeah. yeah, and that's how we got exposure. Nice. We just basically stood there for three or four days and then went and banged on as many doors as we could and showed them what we meant. And, you know, we started delivering them a box at a time, and now we sell 5,000 a week. Just boxes. wonderful. Yeah. And how do you find, um, and I do want to ask you something around kind of trademarking, um, actually, just before we go back onto the retailers. So um, has the other cola ever contacted you? I know cola is upside down on your packaging, but has that come up as an issue where they have tried to no, stop not, you from trading? Or I've, I don't think I've been selectively ignoring those calls. I've been interested to know if, the, if other cola companies uh, have contacted us, but not really. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know we're aware of each other, but we're a rounding error in the in the world of you know those large corporates, and we're really you know we're in a quite a different channel. Although you know we do compete in some places. Um, I think the price of our product and the kind of positioning it has in these places makes it uh, not exclusive, but 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 sort of separates it yeah, a bit from a, the, a yeah. higher end type 
kind of yeah, consumer. Premium, yeah. And and that's the thing. When you get it into kind of distribution outlets, so in Jamie's, in Whole Foods, etc., we run an event called the Food Exchange where we have buyers from big retailers like Sainsbury's, etc., come and speak to the small businesses to say, here's how you get stocked. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs think, once I've got stocked, that's it. It's done. But of course, that's almost kind of only half the way there. Once you've got stocked, you then need sampling kind of customers to come in and then keep on coming back in. How have you gone about that kind of second phase? So at the coffee show, you kind of got those first introductions, you got those first sales. How have you kept the momentum going of making sure customers so came back in? Most of our sales are still through um, restaurant chains, these premium cafes, um, a lot of accounts that we have one-to-one relationships with. We do sell through Ocado and Waitrose and Whole Foods and Platinum Organic and the, the, those sorts of stores that you probably expect to find us. One of the successes we had early on was talking with Waitrose. They sort of saw the well, they did see that the, that we shared similar values and that you know they they were championing organic and this idea of prominence and transparency through growers in their own. And you know many stores are doing this now, but but at the time there was this resonance between what we were doing. So they were willing to stock us, which was a big, big, you know, kind of thrill for me because we could then say we are available we're nationwide. We're in Waitrose, yeah. absolutely. And, and there's a, it felt like a great fit. Now, you know, we don't have the, the sort of marketing arsenal to be able to be on promotion every second week or whatever. You need to be really running those channels hard. But we are there for people who look for us. So the, the key for us is to get, our reputation established so that we've got some pull before we're in those environments because otherwise we'd just disappear. You know the competition for attention in that shelf space and how just having dominating an aisle makes a big difference to sales. So we've had to be a bit gentler about that because we don't have that kind of The kind of budget that others, yeah. yeah. And we've really got to use our advocacy through consumers and people that kind of believe in what we're doing to create that buzz in the pool. So that's still what we're trying to do. But we have had, you know, it, it, happily, you know, people are responding to it. And it's great when I hear people say they can find us because it's still, <laughs> you know, we're not everywhere. We've got a long way to go. Yeah. Well, I'm hearing from lots of other people mm. as to other places you are getting into. So it's mm. working. And, and on that, how are you managing the increase in production? Because, of course, the great thing is, as the sales are coming in, that means you need more production. Mm. Have you found it difficult to go from, as you say, kind of literally you delivering one box to one restaurant to all of a sudden 5,000 plus? Mm. How have you kind of made that move from smaller volumes to kind of what you're at now? Um, I mean, something that gives us as a team confidence is that all of those little problems that have we've encountered, we've solved so far. <laughs> but they have just been incremental steps. So we went from travelling on the underground <laughs> to deliver, uh, which was a bit stupid at the beginning, to having a van of our own, to being able to set up a distributor that we work with some other similar products with here, to getting proper distribution through known distribution channels. So those things have grown Literally incrementally. Step step. Yeah. yeah. Um, and We've, we were pretty naive when we said, and we've had to learn how to manage each of those relationships and, and create, you know, good mutual benefit where, you know, they're seeing the margins they need and we're getting them enough volume to make it worthwhile. So one of the things we did early on was find enough small accounts that we could group together and take to a distributor and say, here's some evidence of our business. You know, we know these outlets will, you know, they're obviously stocking us. 
can you now take us on? Nice. So you didn't actually wait for the one big retailer. No. You took lots of little ones, put those together, and then said it still e- equates to the same yeah, volume. Yeah, so, so we would try and deliver as much as we could ourselves until we had too much. And then we had a problem to solve that someone else who could take us seriously because we bought them the business would yeah, would, nice. would would take the call. Um, and that's the other thing that's been great is that when we do get into restaurant chains, which is kind of something we're really interested in because we want to pair the experience of a premium soft drink with a great meal because um, that's the occasion that most people want them, uh, that they tend to dictate the distribution relationship mm-hmm. anyway. So if we can you know, start with a great relationship with, with an outfit like Honest Burgers who uh, have similar values to us or are interested in what we're doing, not just because it's good for their business, but because they have their staff are keen on helping the same, the foundation that we're working with. The founders have been out to Sierra Leone with us. Those sorts of relationships are, are fantastic. And they've then said, well, you should use our distribution network. These are the people to work with. This is the way we'd like you to supply us. Lovely. So, so you've got all of these kind of entrepreneurs coming together saying we're in it for the same reason, so yeah, let's help each yeah. other. Shared values make a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. And what do you feel kind of 2018 is the next stage of growth? Um, we've, we've For the last year or so, we've been selling our products in takeaway cans. So that's been great for lunch occasions, so people could pick them up places like Pure or here um, and take them to the desk or go out to the park when it's warmer and eat them and drink them. So we're looking at trying to get that to work in retail channels better that that we don't really have, we haven't really nailed that take-home occasion. So that's going to be interesting for us, how we do that, how we'd have multi-packs and make that a bit more exciting for people to want to buy a premium soft drink for home. Uh, digital sales, really fascinated by how we could do that well, still haven't quite cracked it. Like, can we you know, use partners like Ocado Well or Waitrose.com and some of those, even Amazon, you know, how does that work? We're still trying to figure that out. seems like everyone's rushing into that space and some are succeeding. But, you know, we'd like to keep that relationship with our customers and show that they there's this sort of intimacy with our producers mediated by all that technology. So there's something we can do in there I'm pretty confident with. I'm also very keen to see how we can develop the work of the foundation because you know, the, the yin to the yang of you know, having a soft drink, which isn't that necessary, but being able to do something good with that purchase and showing people what's happening at the other end of the supply chain is kind of why we're in it. So being able to develop that further is pretty exciting to me. And are the founders still the same founders as yes. were? Yep. And I, I take it you each have slightly different roles yeah. in the company. So we, uh, I mean, if you, the, in simple terms, um, Chris is the organics, you know, procurement guy, understands those supply chains, knows how to make great tasting drinks. So of those three things we were talking about before, the look good, taste good, do good thing. He's the taste he's, good. He's the taste good. Yeah. Um, I have to, I need to make sure they look great so people actually pick them up. And and Matt's accounting for the fact that that money goes back to those people either through the fair trade foundation or organic certification organic purchase or our own foundation so he's accounting for the doing of good amazing so you literally have all three angles covered yeah 
Yeah. You have pretty much the whole country covered, which I love to see. And we will continue to see Karma Cola in more places across Britain in 2018. Simon, thank you so much for coming in and sharing that wonderful story. Thank you, Emma. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was the Small Business Sessions from Enterprise Nation, powered by Zero. Go to enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast to find out more. And big thanks to audio and podcast production service Podrafi for producing this show. See you next time.